Today we're looking in the book of Matthew chapter number 14. As we continue the message that we began last Sunday. So let's read it again to familiarize ourselves, refresh our memory, and for some of you that were not here last Sunday. A very familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22. The Bible says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Look at verse 29 again. Jesus said to Peter, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He what? He walked on the water to go to Jesus. I want to continue and conclude the message today entitled, How to Walk on the Water. Father, I thank you for your incredible, miraculous powerful word today. God, I just pray today that your anointing, Lord, will come upon your word, come upon your message, and upon your messenger. God, help us to speak today as the very oracle, the very mouthpiece or spokesperson of God. May we say today that which you would say if you were here in the flesh. God, I pray that everyone will put ears on their heart today. I pray they will not only listen with their ears, but they will listen with their heart today. And God, may we not just listen, but may we do something with what we receive today. God, we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. As I've already stated, last Sunday I began a message I'm calling, How to Walk on the Water. Now, I'm going to review what I said last week, but if you were not here, I encourage you to go online and listen to it, because I'm going to recap in 10 minutes what it took me 40 minutes to say last Sunday. I was a little slow last Sunday. But you need to hear this first part in detail in order to get the full effect. Last Sunday, I began by saying that, that, that a very small percentage of people will ever endeavor to walk on the water. 
that, that most people will be content to sit in the comfort and the security of the boat. In our scripture for the day, 11 disciples stayed in the boat. Only one was willing to get out of the boat. Walking on the water is a supernatural thing. People don't walk on the water in the natural. It just doesn't happen. And last week we talked quite a bit about the supernatural. I want to recap a little bit about that because that's very, very important and very powerful and something that we need to grasp and get a hold of. Because I think there is a real misconception and a misunderstanding uh, with people and the supernatural. That that, that the supernatural is that God does everything. But that's not how the supernatural takes place. Let me give you a formula. Don't give out very many formulas. But I'm going to give you a formula today for experiencing the supernatural. And here's the formula this morning. Our natural. Plus, God's super will equal the supernatural. Our natural plus God's super will equal the supernatural. See, what you need to understand is that, and that is that God never does anything on his own. And he never does anything for us that we are able and capable of doing for ourselves. See, see, when we, wanna, we want God to do for us something that we can do for ourselves, that's just, that's just lazy. God works like this. He, he takes our natural. Whatever that natural is, whatever it is that that, that we have. And God takes our natural. And once we give God what we have. Once we offer God our natural. He takes our natural and he adds his super to our natural. And only then does the supernatural take place. Now, in our story for today, Jesus gave Peter permission to walk on the water, but it didn't happen until Peter got out of the boat and started walking. When Peter offered Jesus his, his natural, you say, you say, Pastor, what was his, his natural? Well, his natural was his willingness to try. His willingness to throw his legs over the boat. His willingness to place his feet in the water. And when Peter did what he could do, God did for Peter what Peter could not do. And that was to defy the law of gravity. But it didn't happen. It didn't take place until Peter was willing to do what he could do. And what he could do was he could get out of the boat. Jesus didn't just zap him, you know, just zap him. No, Peter had to get out of the boat himself. And if Peter hadn't have been willing to get out of the boat himself, the supernatural would never have taken place. Right. 
God will do for us what we are incapable or unable to do for ourselves, but only after we do all that we can do for ourselves. We talked about last Sunday about the feeding of the 5,000. The little boy that had the the, the, the little lunch, the five loaves and the two fish. The little lad couldn't multiply the bread and the fish, but he could offer his bread and his fish to Jesus. He could give Jesus his natural. And when he gave Jesus his natural, Jesus added his super to the little boy's natural. And the supernatural took place in 5,000 hungry families were fed all you can eat. And at the wedding feast, the servants, when they ran out of wine, the servants, they, they, they could not turn the water into wine, but they could fill the water pots with water. But there was never going to be a miracle. The supernatural was never going to take place unless the servants were willing to fill the water pots with water. They couldn't turn the water into wine, but they could fill the water pots with water. There's a lot of things that we cannot do in our lives. We cannot do it on our own and by ourselves. But we can give Jesus the natural. We can give him what we already have. And when we give him what we already have, he adds his blessings, amen, to what we already have. And it is always enough. I'm talking about how to walk on the water today. Now, I'm, I'm pretty well convinced that there's not a person in here this morning that literally needs to walk on the water. And yet all of us need to experience the supernatural in our lives. All of us have situations where we need supernatural help and intervention. But the supernatural will only transpire when God adds his super to our natural. Let me tell you something this morning. God won't open doors for you until you start knocking on some. And some of you are whining and complaining and God doesn't open any doors for me. Well, let me ask you, are you knocking on any? Because God is not going to open the door unless you're willing to knock on the door. God won't multiply your resources until you give him the limited resources that you already have. See, here's what I don't understand about people who won't tithe. They're not making it anyway. What difference does another 10% mean? Matter. You're drowning financially anyway. You're going under anyway. What's the big deal? And let me tell you that if you are drowning and you're not tithing, you will continue to drown. So listen, amen, why don't you, amen, why don't you, amen, give the Lord the first 10% of your income and say, God, I can't fix my problem. God, I can't do something, Lord, I can't do anything about this, but God, you can. And so God, here's what the little bit that I have, and you take the little bit that I have, and you add your blessing. Lord, here's my natural, you add your super to it, and the supernatural will take place. All right, last week I said that there are, there are three basic requirements for water walkers. We talked about the first one last Sunday. Let me, let me remind you of it, and then we'll finish with the other two this morning. Number one, if you're going to walk on the water, you must be willing to take a risk. Amen. 
The first requirement of a water walker, you must be willing to take a risk. You see, water walking is risky. But I, I, I want to be abundantly clear this morning. I want to clarify what I mean by taking a risk. When I'm talking about taking a risk, I'm talking about a calculated risk. Say calculated. Well, Pastor, what is a calculated risk? Well, a calculated risk is a, is a risk that you feel called to take. You feel called to take. You, you feel like it's it within the realm of the Lord's will. You feel like that the Lord is, is leading you in that direction. You, a risk you feel called to take. A calculated risk is a risk that you have fasted and prayed over. Amen. A calculated risk is a risk that you have, you have sought out wise, godly counsel. I'm not talking about taking stupid chances. I'm not talking about taking risks without counting the cost. You see, we don't take risks just to show off our faith. We don't take risks just in order to impress our peers. I'm talking about calculated risks, so remember that as we go through this today. Last Sunday we talked about three reasons why people oppose risk. And most people are unwilling to take risk. And the first one is fear of the unknown. Most people will not take a risk because they fear of the unknown. In our scripture today, the disciples were fearful of the unknown. Hey, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. It was dark. They were in a storm. There was an unrecognizable figure appearing to them on top of the water. And it was headed right at them. Come on. I don't know about you, but I can understand their apprehension. I can sympathize with their fear. But you see, only those that that are willing to get beyond their fear of the unknown will ever walk on the water. Only those that are willing to get beyond their fear of the unknown will be willing to take the risk that will be required in order to do so. As I look back in the times of my life that I walked on the water, or at least attempted to walk on the water, I was petrified at first. I'll never forget one time when God took me out of my comfort zone as my first day on the job on a Monday morning as I pulled up to my parking space in front of my my new office in a church that was three times bigger than I'd ever pastored before, that had staff, that had daycare, that had had preschool, that had all kinds of things that as a 33-year-old young man I had never encountered before and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I'll never forget that I just buried my head in the, in the steering wheel of that van I was drying, driving, and I just weeped and I cried and I sobbed my eyes and I cried. And then I dried my eyes and I blew my nose. And I got out of my van and I walked to my office door and I took a deep breath. And I walked in with my head high like I knew what in the world I was doing. I'm here. 
fake it till you make it was my motto. times of my life that I walked on the water, I was petrified at the first. And the fear didn't leave me until I actually took a few steps. Somebody said, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing it in spite of the fear. Somebody else said, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Another reason why people oppose risk is because their friends won't go with them. See, in order for Peter to walk toward Jesus, he had to walk away from his friends in the boat. See, too many people choose to hang out in the boat with their friends when they could be walking on the water with Jesus. And sometimes the only way that we are going to get closer to Jesus is if we are willing to walk away from our friends. Say this this morning, water walking will reveal to you who your true friends are. Man, this is good. I think I'm going to write a book. Let me tell you, friends who ridicule you for trying to walk on the water, friends who become jealous of you when you do walk on the water, I ask you, are they really your friend at all? Because you see, true friends cheer you on when you try. True friends are are happy for you when you succeed. And true friends are there to pick you up when you fall. The third reason why people oppose risk is the familiar is more comfortable. Because the truth is, change is hard. And change stretches us. But only those willing to be stretched will walk on the water. All right, let's move on to today's message. That was last Sunday's. With a little additions and changes, but basically. Let's move on to the second basic requirement for water walkers. That is, you must be willing to endure ridicule. If you're going to walk on the water, you're going to have to be willing to endure ridicule. Because water walkers will be criticized. I can just imagine the negative comments that Peter had to ignore from the other 11 disciples that remained in the boat. Can you just let your imagination run wild a little bit this morning? Can you imagine what might have been been said to him? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Peter, stop showing off. You're always showing off. That's what sanguines do. Hey, hey, get back in this boat before you drown, boy. What in the world are you trying to do, Peter? Nobody can walk on the water. It's absolutely impossible. I can hear Doubting Thomas saying something like this. Hey, Pete, Pete, can I have this fishing boat of yours if you drown? See, people who walk on the water, people who get beyond the boat of ordinary are are people that are willing to endure endure ridicule. 
They are people whose skin is thick enough to endure criticism. Every Sunday I walk out in the foyer and I hear people tell me I'm the greatest preacher there ever was. And every week I get feedback to somebody that don't like my preaching. How can it be both ways? There's some dumb people in this world, you know what I'm saying? I'll let you decide which, which ones are the dumb ones. <laughs> I, I like what George Burns said. George Burns said, too bad the only people who have all the answers to the hard questions of life are too busy driving taxis and cutting hair. <laughs> George Burns said, I didn't say that. That's, that's what he said. And then there's that Chinese proverb that says, let the man who says it can't be done not disturb the man who's doing it. And so it was with, with, with Peter. While the other 11 were busy telling him why he couldn't walk on the water, Peter just stepped out of the boat and did it. Let me tell you this morning, if you are, if you are waiting for your critics to shut up before you get out of the boat, you will never walk on the water. And you're going to have to shut your ears to them and instead tune your ears to Jesus. See, the disciples were telling Peter why he couldn't, but Jesus told him why he could. Jesus said, hey, Peter, come. And I believe that if Jesus says you can, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. But not only will water walkers be criticized, water walkers will be coveted. See, I believe that one of the reasons why people criticize your dream is because they are jealous of you. See, they wish they had the courage to get out of their boat. They wish that they had the faith to walk on the water like you have. And so they criticize you out of their jealousy of you. Because they don't have what it takes to walk on the water. They don't want you to walk on the water either. Because somehow they, they, they've come to believe that, that, that you're making them look bad because you're doing what they're not willing to do. You're doing what they're not able and capable of doing. Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, he, he gave us a commandment and he said to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and he said to weep with those who are weeping. Well, listen, here's what I have discovered and that is that most people are willing to weep with you when you are weeping. I mean, they'll get down and wallow with you. They're willing to... Weep with you when you are weeping, but I found very few people, oh, that are willing to rejoice with you when you are succeeding. Not very many people that will march in your parade and wave banners for you. But most will dismiss your success as lucky timing. I already told you that when I went to Midland, Texas as a direct call from God and after the church started getting going and doing well and after it was thriving, somebody told me one day, well, you were just at the right place at the right time. And they were right. I was at God's place for me and God's timing. And when you're in God's place for you and God's timing, good things are going to happen. 
But instead of waving banners for you and marching in your parade, most of them will dismiss your success as lucky timing or undue influence by a friend or family member. And most will try to minimize your success by suggesting that your accomplishment is no big deal or by trying to one-up you. People who walk on the water must be willing to endure ridicule. Let's talk about the third basic requirement of a water walker today. If you're going to walk on the water, you must rebound if you fail. Amen. And for a few moments, I want to talk about failure. And I want to suggest four things about failure today. First thing I want to talk about is that failure isn't fun. Failure isn't fun. Now, knowing Peter's personality, the sanguine that he was, knowing his personality, he, he probably got a little overconfident. And he probably showed off a little bit. Maybe he did a little moonwalk. <laughs> Woo! This is fun! But it wasn't fun when he fell. And it wasn't fun when he got a mouthful of water. And it wasn't fun when he got water up his nose. And it wasn't fun when he nearly drowned. Failure isn't fun. It wasn't fun for Peter to see his friends in the boat, no doubt, pointing at him and laughing at him and saying, We told you you shouldn't do it. We told you it couldn't be done. Listen, it isn't fun to have to file for bankruptcy. It's not fun to have to file for divorce. It isn't fun to see your dreams suddenly turn into a nightmare. Failure isn't fun. Second thing I want us to know about failure, and that is failure is familiar. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. No one gets through life without failing. Most of us don't even get through a day. Recently, I offended someone. Can you imagine someone as sweet and laid back and easygoing and calm and could offend him? But I did. <laughs> Recently, I I offended someone who I love very, very dearly. Someone that's been a very, very strong supporter of me. But out of my stress, and I was very stressed, it was a very stressful day. It's not an excuse, but I'm telling you that out of my stress and out out of my defensiveness that my wife says I'm really good at. Out of my stress and out of my defensiveness, I was less than gracious with this individual. And afterward, I felt terrible. I felt awful. And I apologized. Failure's familiar. It's easy to point an accusing finger at somebody. I like what my daddy always used to say, but you know what? There's three fingers pointing back at me, so it's three to one. When I point at you, it's three to one. 
Failure is familiar. Everybody fails. And, 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 and we fail often. Oh, oh, there's big failures and there's little failures, but we fail and we fail consistently. If it's not something we've done, it's something that we, you know, we, we should have done that we didn't. So if you fail, you're in good company because the ones with the greatest successes are also the ones with the most failures. Abraham Lincoln failed over and over and over and over and over again. Read his record. It's horrible. Failure, 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 failure. President of the United States. He failed so often. He had more failures than successes, but he always got back up, and he became one of the most familiar, one of the most famous, and one of the most beloved presidents of all presidents. Michael Jordan is probably the greatest basketball player ever to hold a basketball. And yet he missed more game-winning shots than he made. But he kept on shooting. And no one would rather have, there's no one that anyone would rather have the ball in their hands than the hands of Michael Jordan. In 1923, Babe Ruth hit more home runs than any other player in all of Major League Baseball. That year he also had a higher batting average than any other player. That's Almost unheard of. But he also held one more record that year. He struck out more times than any other major league player that year. Here's what potential water walkers can learn from the legendary Babe Ruth. If you want to swing for the fences, you have to be willing to strike out sometimes. And when you strike out, you have to be willing to keep on swinging. Oh, I understand Peter fell. He experienced temporary failure, but he kept on trying. And with the help of Jesus, he got back up and he walked on the water again. Let me suggest this this morning. Failure is usually focus-related. See, people who are successful at walking on the water are people who have their focus right. Peter walked on the water because his focus was on Jesus, and only when he lost his focus, only then did he go down. Listen to this this morning. Listen, listen. We can focus on the the Savior or on the situation. And if we focus on the Savior, we can walk on top of the situation. But if we focus on the situation, the situation will soon be on top of us. So it was with Peter in this story. So so let me ask you this this morning. How's your focus? How's your focus? Has it become a little bit fuzzy? Is your life a little bit out of 
Focus, let me ask you this this morning. Who are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? Let me ask you this this morning. Do you even have a focus in your life at all? Notice the last thing about failure. We're approaching third base. Failure. Failure doesn't have to be final. Wasn't for Peter. He got back up and walked on the water some more. And he became a great apostle. And he wrote some of the Bible. And he was the keynote speaker at the first general council on the day of Pentecost. Don't listen to the lie of the devil when he tells you that you're finished because of your failure. Because failure isn't final unless you allow it to be. Do what Peter did. Oh, cry out to Jesus. Do what Peter did. Oh, oh, he cried out to Jesus. Do what Peter did. Stretch your, stretch your hand toward, toward Jesus. And if you do, and if you do, Jesus will take your hand and Jesus will pull you back up. Amen. And he'll pull you back up out of the water and onto the water and he will walk with you on top of the water. And the supernatural can happen and take place in your life. And you can walk with Jesus on top of a situation that once had you down. Let me finish today by giving you three tips for water walking. This is sermon number three. Listen for God's voice. You better hear this. Please hear this. You only get out of the boat if you are sure Jesus told you to. Because you will only walk on the water when Jesus tells you you can. Jesus didn't give Peter the gift of water walking that day. He didn't hold crusades and do the moonwalk on the water, you know, for an intro to his miracle crusade. As far as we know, the only time that Peter ever walked on the water was when Jesus said to him, come. So listen for God's voice. Don't get out of the boat until you know that you know that you know that God has spoken to you to do so. And number two, the second little tip for water walkers is look to God for his help. Remember what I said earlier about, about focus? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep, keep the main focus. The main focus. I believe with all of my heart that if the grace place continues to walk on the water, it will be because we retain the focus that Jesus gave us. And that is being a sending church, sending out missionaries all over the world and caring people, caring for people. That's our focus. And we get outside of that focus and we allow our focus to become blurred. And let me just tell you that there's always people pulling here and pulling there and tugging here and tugging there. There's always a new book. There's always a new program. There's always something, something, something. There's always things that will pull you and tug you and try and get you away from your focus. But 
The only guarantee of water walking is if you remain focused. And then the last thing, let God get the glory. Always attribute your success to Jesus. Jesus will share his glory with no one. We could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning, please. Please stay with me to the conclusion of this service. I have something I need to share at the very end of the service. Please don't slip out early. So, who wants to walk on the water? Who, first of all, who feels called to walk on the water? I believe that God wants to take some people to a whole new level, to a whole new dimension, to a whole new plateau. I believe that he wants to take some people out of the boat that they've been riding in for a long, long time and take them on an experience they've never had before. Who has a desire this morning to walk on the water? Who this morning is willing to meet the requirements that it will take to walk on the water? Would you stand with me this morning, please? Stay with me, please. Father, I just pray today, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just pray that you will take this word today, Father, the word today and last Sunday, God. Not anything I've not said before never put it in this package before and I just pray today God there's people that are hearing it for the very first time it doesn't matter it's the word that I felt impressed of you to give and that's what I'm going to preach it's what I feel good in my heart and I feel directed in my heart to preach help us today help us today your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. Nobody's looking around all over this room this morning. Are you here today? And you say, you know what? I've allowed fear. Or I've allowed criticism. Or I've allowed my friends. Or, or whatever. I've allowed whatever it might be to cause me to remain in the boat when I know that the Lord has called me out onto the water. And today, I want to I, I get beyond my fear. I want to get beyond the obstacles. I want to I I I get out there on the water what, where Jesus wants me in my life. Is that you this morning all over this room? Would you just lift your hand today? You lift your hand today. God bless you and you all over this room. Hands are being lifted in every section. Every hand, hands are being lifted all over this room. I'm going to take just a moment this morning and be silent. They're going to play very softly. I'm just going to give about a minute this morning and I want you this morning that lifted your hand. I want you to make that commitment to the Lord. Lord, with your help, with your help, with your help, Lord, with your help, I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm going to get out onto the water. And in my focus, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my focus. And with your help, and with my focus correct, I'm going to walk where I've never walked before, experience what I've never experienced before. That's just you. You just talk one-on-one with God. That's your prayer this morning. Make it your personal prayer.